Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ah, folks, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And it's sort of all pretty well clustered for me personally. So maybe you guys won't care, maybe you will. Start with the bad. My oldest kid has strep. And it's bad news for all of you as well, because most likely it's going to throw a fat wrench into whatever plans that I had here on the podcast and then whatever you thought might be going on with social media this week. I don't know what that means. Uh, I do know it means that I'm going to be with youths here at home because more than likely the rest of us will get it at some point and then oh i'm gonna try my best to keep this very fresh new streak alive but it's already gonna be in jeopardy at some point this week that's the bad the good news is tweet deck works again i don't know for how long uh I mean, I know that it's it's possible that this is permanent, but I just can't believe that it is, given everything that's gone on with Twitter over the last eight or nine months. I ignored, I ignored, I ignored, and then finally they took my tweet deck, and that was the last straw, so that's why last week we talked a bunch about uh, threads, Sports Ethos has a Threads feed now, so uh, you can get blurb feed stuff over there from, I believe that's Sports Ethos Official on Threads. I am, of course, just Dan Bespris over there. I'm also Dan Bespris on Twitter, where things are functional again for the time being. Yeah, I have no idea who has a blue check mark, and it doesn't really matter because, look, I follow the right people, and if you use TweetDeck... You don't get random crap into your feed. So that's the magic of sort of all the things, all the weird little changes that Twitter's undergone in this in the Musk regime have had pretty small impact on what I've been able to do on a day-to-day basis other than just kind of like the changing algorithm. This one was a big one, but if TweetDeck works again, then I don't know, I guess maybe I'm a two-platform guy now. We'll see. Hopefully you guys will find me on both of those again. TweetDeck Threads, Twitter, whatever, it's all just at Dan Bespris. That's the magic of having a stupid last name like Bespris is that ain't nobody else has it. Couple of folks. Today, we pick up where we left off. That's where we're going these days. Summer League is underway, and we'll have some thoughts on that, probably when it's all kind of rolled up and done. My overarching thought, and I guess I could just sort of make mention of this on any given show or maybe all of them, is that we're going to vastly overreact to things seen in Summer League. Jabari Smith Jr. had a huge ball game on Sunday. Someone's going to then believe that he's just magically like 500 times better. He's probably a little bit better. Max Christie over on that Lakers side. He looks really good. These things don't... They, they mean something, so I don't want to say they mean completely nothing. That would be an inaccurate statement and then also a... a an exaggeration in the opposite direction, but the the competition level here is not NBA level. So that's why I want to get right back into what we've been talking about before, which is 
free agency and basically everything that's happened, not since this most recent Friday, but the previous one when free agency kicked off on June the 30th. Over our last two shows, Thursday and Friday of this most recent week, we've been working backwards through anything that's gone on and just covering news basically as it pops up only in terms of uh, things on the free agent market. So like, uh, for instance, you know, Scoot Henderson having uh, a shoulder issue at Summer League. It's not something that we're going to break down on this podcast because I I feel pretty confident that he'll be fine by October 18th or whatever this coming season starts. But, for instance, the introduction of, say, an in-season tournament, the finalization of a Dylan Brooks sign-in trade. We were talking about Dylan Brooks' contract on Friday. That turned into this this big sign-in trade deal. That's the type of stuff that we are going to cover. And we left off at Dwight Powell if nothing else happened over the weekend. But something did happen over the weekend, and that was we got this in-season tournament thrown at us. So yeah, we're going to get into Dwight Powell in a minute. But first thing is, we got to talk about a brand new thing happening right smack in the middle. Well, it's actually towards the front end, frankly, of this coming NBA season for the first time. There will be an in-season NBA Cup, a tournament. Which, I know, when you hear it, you're like, how can that possibly fit into the middle of an NBA schedule? It makes no sense at all. Well, they've thought of, quote-unquote, everything. Sort of. Maybe. Not, I mean, a little bit. So what's happening is that early in the season, I mean, we're talking like two weeks into the year, Friday, November the 3rd, the very first in-season NBA tournament tips off. So what happens now is that every team in the NBA has been grouped into pools. There's pools A through C in each of the two conferences, East A, B, and C, and West A, B, and C. But it's not divisions. So, for instance, you can actually already see what the pools are. I'm not going to go through that one by one here because I don't think that's supremely important. But, you know, for instance, the West A pool has the Lakers, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Jazz, and the Blazers in it. Sounds like a pretty tough pool, actually. The East B pool, Bucks, Knicks, Heat, Wizards, Hornets. So it's, it's a mishmash in each of these things. These teams in those pools, in, in what's known as the group play portion of this, which runs from November 3rd, Friday, November 3rd, to Tuesday, November 28th, is that on every, every Friday and Tuesday, and this is crazy, try to stick with me on this one, every Friday and Tuesday, these teams will play someone within their group of five. This feels like a scheduling nightmare, but the NBA is going to figure it out somehow. So the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Blazers, uh, I don't know how you do that with, with five... Um, five teams in each, but presumably one of those five will be off, I guess, every one of those days, at least one of those five. And teams continue to play regular season. These are, by the way, these count as regular season games, so these will count towards your fantasy stats. And it's not that the regular season stops. 
teams continue to play games on the other days of the week. These teams do. Well, it's all of them. I shouldn't say these teams, but like not every game that they play is with these teams in their same pool. Uh, the teams that they play on those days are the games that count towards the tournament. Tuesdays and Fridays are basically to be known as tournament nights in the month of November. A team will play each of the other four teams in its group in one group play game. So it's a full round robin at some point during those Tuesdays and Fridays. So they'll each play each other one time. And then eight out of the 30 teams will advance to a knockout round, which is a best of... You know, you got semi or you got quarters, semis, and championship. The only game that does not count towards fantasy numbers is the championship game on December the 9th. Everything else counts as a fantasy game. And if you're thinking what I'm thinking, which is, wait a minute. Okay, so 22 teams get knocked out after group play. What happens to those teams? Well, they just go on and play other regular season games while the uh, knockout rounds go on. And the teams that are in the knockout rounds, they'll play kind of like a makeup game if they're not in the semis so that everybody can be kind of on the same pace in terms of an 82-game regular season. And then the two teams that go to the championship, they'll play an 83-game regular season, but that game doesn't count towards their fantasy numbers. The prize for all of this is uh, cash, as far as we know right now. There's a tournament MVP. There's a uh, you know championship trophy, little things like that that I don't think are going to move the needle all that much for players. I would presume that the biggest motivating factor in this tournament is that the games do count towards regular season record. So if you want a good regular season record, if you want home court in the playoffs, if you want good seating, whatever... You have to try to win these games on Tuesdays and Fridays. They count just the same as others. And it almost feels a little bit like teams are going to kind of back into the knockout round. Like, I I just, I don't think teams are going to take those Tuesdays and Friday games all that much more seriously now than before. They were regular season games before. They're regular season games now. They also just have an implication, or they have, they, they're going to, have a role in whether or not those teams go to a knockout round teams that go to the knockout round whether they get there you know because they want it real bad or just kind of again by accident because they were winning regular season games if they get to the championship i think you'll see teams play pretty hard there because they probably feel like the the dudes on veteran minimums i'm sure they'd love a prize package of whatever that is cash or goodies or trips or whatever not that the veteran minimum isn't a, a decent amount of money. We'd all take two point whatever million dollars in a heartbeat, I think. Listening to this podcast here, I'd, I'd venture to guess that about 99.9% of you would take a $2 million annual salary. But those guys are probably not going to make all that much more over the rest of their career. So if they can turn 2.2 into, I don't know, 2.4, 2.5, that's a pretty good little bump for them. Especially if it's not a player at the tail end of a of an extraordinary uh, lucrative career, you know, if it's someone like a bowl bowl who's hasn't had a payday and now getting a veteran's minimum, that guy would like to try to extend it a little bit. And there are plenty of players like that. And I'm guessing the superstars on those teams are going to want to get their kind of sidekicks paid 
that's where you'll see a little bit more of that motivation creep in. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. So that'll be something for us to keep an eye on this regular season. It's going to make scheduling weird because we're going to generally know what days teams are going to be playing, but we're not going to know who they're playing. DFSers are going to have probably more complaints than season longers, but a little bit weird either way. Quick little update on some of the stuff we talked about on Friday. The uh, Dylan Brooks signing for Houston did get rolled into this sort of complicated sign-in trade that uh, saw the Rockets get Dylan Brooks and a couple of second-round picks. The Grizzlies got Josh Christopher. The Clippers got K.J. Martin. We talked about that already. The Hawks got Patty Mills in a second. The Thunder get Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, Rudy Gay, and four second-round picks because... What the Thunder certainly need now is more picks, and it changes nothing from a fantasy standpoint. So, let's keep chugging along. You know, I don't remember. Did we talk about... Did we talk about the DeJounte Murray extension for the Hawks? I don't remember if we did. I don't think we did. I thought we talked about the Montrez Harrell signing, but now I can't remember if we talked about that either. So the DeJounte Murray one shouldn't change you too much. I know that we've heard that that the Hawks might be exploring moving Trey Young, but I'll kind of believe that when I see it. We know John Collins is gone. That doesn't really change things for Murray, who was number 37 this year on a per-game basis. Quite durable, but per-game-wise, playing alongside Trey Young, it's real hard to hit your fantasy numbers. That is an unenviable spot to try to make fantasy hay. So let's lunge ahead to where we actually left off on Friday, which I believe was Dwight Powell coming back to the Dallas Mavericks, who went from having a whole bunch of centers where it wasn't clear who was going to be the number one guy to having a whole bunch of centers where it wasn't clear who was going to be the number one guy. Dwight Powell is back. They drafted Derek Lively. They traded for Rashawn Holmes. They still have Maxi Kleba on contract. There are four players at least in Dallas that all have a claim. JaVale McGee's still there. Sheesh, really five now that have some kind of claim to playing a center spot in Dallas. The only one that's gone, for the moment at least, is Christian Wood. So Christian Wood out. 
but Lively, Holmes, in, and an area on the Mavs roster that was already super convoluted got more convoluted. And you're going to probably see a whole lot of hot hand stuff because Holmes is not a floor stretcher. Powell's not a floor stretcher. Lively, not really a floor stretcher. I mean, I guess you could grow into one over time. McGee, not a floor stretcher. Maxi Kleba's the only true stretch five in that bundle. So you'll see him get plenty of action when they need to kind of spread everybody out and, and bring the offense. You'll see Holmes in there for a lot of what Dwight Powell does on a game-to-game basis. And I don't know that there's going to be like a, a cream rising to the top here. You're going to see probably a lot of these guys get drafted near the end of fantasy drafts, but no one really knows who's going to win out. We saw practically all of these guys get starts, at least the ones that were on the Mavs in prior years. There, it's, it's, it's mix and match time in Dallas. Make no mistake, there is no lead horse on that team. The best fantasy game among them belongs to Rashawn Holmes. That one's not really close. We've seen him go top 40 in a starter's role in Sacramento before the trade for Demonis Sabonis. If he gets things turned around, there's there's a chance he could grab that job. But, I mean, he's, just from a reality standpoint side, his game is very similar to Dwight Powell's. They become kind of redundant. I mean, you know, you go with the guy who's playing better on a given night, so redundancy is okay in the NBA, but Mavs have a billion big men, and I don't know that any one of them is really the perfect fit. Because none of them is that great. If you look at all of them, you're like, okay, who could make an impact here? Lively could make an impact because everybody's pretty high on him, but he's a rookie, so that's going to be messy. And then if, if Rashawn Holmes rediscovers what he had before all the personal stuff and the trade and everything that went down here towards the end of his Sacramento tenure, he could maybe rise above the, the, the bunch. And perhaps we'll find out more at training camp if we learn who's actually starting for this team. My guess is that Dwight Powell's going to start as kind of the, the, uh, the veteran holdover. We'll see, I guess. Jay Crowder's back with the Bucks on a one-year deal, and a tree fell in the forest. Damian Jones traded to the Cavs. Another tree fell in the forest. Uh, what else we got? LaMelo Ball signed his five-year rookie extension for $260 million. So if you were thinking about the Hornets going in any kind of different direction, think again. Austin Reeves. Oh, here's a fun one. Let's pause on Austin Reeves for a minute because the Lakers had uh, a pretty successful offseason so far, but it's worth probably getting to any each and any of them individually. Austin Reeves was a, a perfect anecdote for a player who, if you look at his entire season of work, it was not at all impressive. He averaged 29 minutes in 65 games. That's top 150 value, 13 points, three boards, three and a half assists. Not much in the defensive stat department, but very good percentages for Reeves. But he's also a case study in guys who got better as the season went on. He is also, because you got to balance the bad with the good, an interesting case study in guys who are overrated in fantasy despite having kind of an old man fantasy game. 
not that he's like the old man. We talk about the things that I like to attack with the old man stats is usually the percentages and defensive stats. It's those four. And Austin Reeves is not good at steals and blocks, but he is good at the percentages, which are traditionally the oldest of the old man stats, the ones that people are least paying attention to. The problem with Austin Reeves is that his percentages are, and I say this with some obvious caveats, kind of the only things that he's really lifting up the boat with in fantasy. Don't get me wrong. I love Austin Reeves. You guys know I'm a Lakers fan, and I think he's... I think he's just so much fun to root for because he's like the least likely guy to to go take down the NBA. But even at his rip-roaringest, which is basically like the last month or two last year, he sat around the edge of the top 100. The averages look really good. 19 points, 5.5 assists, 55% from the field, 86% high-volume free-throw shooting. But... Doesn't shoot that many three-pointers. So there's this sort of weird, not really a hole there, but like a semi-hole. Four rebounds is fine. It's not like he's a guard. That's not really hurting you. 0.5 combined steals and blocks over the final 15 games last year. And over the season, not that much better. 0.8. So sure, that could level off a little bit, and maybe he works up towards 0.7. Maybe that's the actual landing point for Reeves. But that's a Danilo Gallinari low-level steals and blocks combined total. You have to be really good in the other categories to counterbalance what is effectively a punt defense player. By the way, he fights pretty good on the defensive side. But he's not a passing lanes dude. Doesn't get steals. Not, Not a boatload of deflections. Doesn't block that many shots. He's trying to play position defense, and he's not bad at that end of the floor. Don't you know? It's it's a little bit of that like Shane Battier syndrome of a guy who's always in the right place. Reeves is certainly not that. Battier defensively was always one of the best, but it just doesn't translate. He's not in passing lanes. He's not blocking shots. He's out there just fighting his butt through screens all game long, and everybody else is getting the stats for it. So for Reeves, who, and then, I mean, you could look at the playoffs. That was obviously an even more impressive run for him. If this Lakers team is healthy, how much is truly left for Austin Reeves? Because he was putting up 18 points a game on only 10 shots with big free throw numbers, and he couldn't get himself inside the top 80. I love Austin Reeves. And there's so much to like about his fantasy game, but like, look at the look at the last like two to three weeks. Look at the last ten games of the year. I believe you guys can look this up and quote me to make sure I'm not getting this wrong. But I believe over the last ten games of the regular season, Austin Reeves had two steals and no blocks. Is that even possible? Like, I don't I don't even know how that happens when you're playing. 30-plus minutes per game, because he was at 34 minutes a game over that stretch. But over 10 games, two steals, no blocks. It's easy to get distracted by the fact that his assists were pretty good over that stretch. What do you have, about 
five and a half a game. And scoring at 17 was above league average, and the percentages were wonderful. And he gets to the foul line a bunch, and, and obviously his job is secure, and, and you know, from a reality standpoint, he's a whopper of a success story, undrafted, and then just uh, exploding onto the scene this year. But there are some really big holes in his fantasy game that it's hard to spot. Because there's a lot of eye-popping stuff, and then he's also on the Lakers, and then just because he's Austin Reeves, and he's because he's like this, this true underdog story, we're all kind of willing to overlook that stuff. I think he's going to get overdrafted this year. Which is super weird for a guy whose percentages are his best fantasy categories. Very weird for that type of player to get overdrafted. But I feel pretty confident that he will. Before we get to the next name on the list, it's time for a Monday check-in with our buddies at Caldera Labs. I am very excited to say that I received my Caldera Lab goodie bag from my buddy Dom over there. And I cracked it open and I've got them all set out on my desk here and i got to figure out how this whole thing works. But there's a, there's a process to it. Where do they all go? I had to shift them out of the way so I could set up my microphone. But they sent me... They sent me four of the five skincare products. I got the Clean Slate, which is one pump of a cleanser. That's so like a face. That's like a face soap. You do that once in the morning and once in the evening. The Icon, spelled E Y E C O N, if you want to be an icon. That's uh, a couple of pumps uh, under the eyes, so that tightens up. The bags out of the eyes and on the eyelids, decreasing the puffiness, really improving eye care and how your eyes look. You want to look awake again? I certainly want to look awake. Good Lord, I haven't felt awake in so long. The base layer. That's a morning application. Has a little sunblock in that as well. And the good. The good, good. That's at night. A couple of droplets in your hand. You rub that into your face and neck. Help tighten things up. So that's, I, I can't wait to get started on this. I really need it. My skin is a mess. My personal hygiene is a mess. Uh, Caldera Labs is going to fix me right up. I'm going to look, I'm going to look so much younger. Y'all are going to be so jealous of this dude that just turned 40 that doesn't look 40 anymore. It's clinically proven, ladies and gentlemen. It's a regimen. It's a regimen. You got four things. You want to look good? It's like a drop, a little pump on a few different things. That icon is the one. Maybe I'm the most excited about that one. That one hits on fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. I got the circles. I got the puffiness. I don't have that many fine lines. My lines are are three to five point font. None of of those one point fonts on me. Caldera Labs made with top-tier ingredients, so I'm very excited to dive in on this one and is a great addition to your daily routine. It takes less than a minute in the morning and at nighttime. Reduce your wrinkles, reduce your fine lines, reduce your signs of aging, and because they're our friends, because uh, we are their friends, coupon code ETHOS will get you 20% off your order at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using code ETHOS. Jump into skin. And first impression royalty with Caldera Labs. First impressions are so big, man. I don't get to make that many of them anymore. I'm home a lot. So when I get out there, 
And, you know, I'm meeting all the parents on my kids' Little League teams for the first time. It's probably best not to look like I've been living under the bridge near the park where we... Oh, you guys rolled over here? Cool. All right. Well, oh boy, this guy's, this guy's looking rough. Pretty cool. I'm excited, man. I, I'm flattered, too. It's really funny. I, I don't know. You guys know that I'm always going to be truthful with you guys. I'm just flattered, like... You never expect to start a podcast and then have it be one of those shows where you get to do reads for these really cool companies. Manscaped we've we've partnered with before, Caldera Labs, ExpressVPN, DraftKings, MyBookie. We're one of those podcasts. That's pretty sweet, actually. I don't know. Maybe you guys don't care. I care. All right, how much time we got left on this thing? Let's see if we can squeeze in another one or two deals. Uh, trade was the thing that happened before. I think we're still on Saturday. Yeah, we haven't made it back to Friday yet. We're on uh, the July 1st stuff that happened or news that broke. Pacers get Obi Toppin. The Knicks get a couple of future second-round picks. This is intriguing because the Pacers have been loading up on front court help. Because their front court was a serious mishmash last year. And you guys know we've all, we, we complained and we complained and we complained and it fell on very fully deaf ears. And uh, now we've got a whole different batch of stuff to look at under Rick Carlisle. Last year it was, why won't he play Isaiah Jackson? Why won't he play Jalen Smith? Why is Aaron Neesmith playing all these power forward minutes? I'm not sure I understand. Uh, they drafted Jarris Walker, who, well, now I got to double check myself on this. I believe that he can, he's basically a power, yeah, he's 6'8", he's a power forward. I thought that that's what that was. And that's, I think, what Rhett told us a couple weeks ago. So they got Jarris Walker, rookie coming in, he can play power forward. They signed Bruce Brown, who, not what you'd call a traditional power forward, but he could size up there. Probably we'll see more time uh, the two and the three, but probably also some at the four. He can just play everywhere. That's that's why Bruce Brown fits in. By the way, he's also the most uh, highly paid member of the organization. For this year, and then it's then it's Tyrese Halliburton who got that that big rookie extension, but they now traded for Obi Toppin, who just gives them another look. If Walker isn't quite ready to throw bows at the NBA level, if if he needs to come along, and they need a a tougher, sort of everyday, more reliable power forward, it could actually be Toppin. We know he's got fantasy game. We know he's got fantasy game. He just never really has the opportunity to show it. Last year, down the stretch, the Knicks had a bunch of guys out, and Toppin finally got to play some minutes. And, I mean, we're talking a very small sample size, but with Toppin, final two weeks last year, so basically the last five or six games of the season, when he got starters minutes, 31 and a half of them, he scored 22 points on 58% from the field. And this was tank time for a lot of teams, so, so uh, you know, this a lot of this stuff won't translate perfectly. But what maybe is more indicative of what Toppin could bring is if you roll that into the few games before that where I think Randall played in a few of those. 
you're kind of blending stats together. Like the per 36s on top and are not perfectly well known. I don't think that you can say, oh, well, if he plays starters minutes, he's definitely going to score 22 points per game on 14 and a half shots. Nah, it's not going to be that simple in Indiana. But if he's the starter, he absolutely is worth a flyer in fantasy. He's a power forward who can stretch the floor. He gets steals, not really a blocks guy. Percentages are pretty good for Toppin. I think his rebounding would be better uh, in Indiana than it was in New York over that stretch because there's no Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart scooping up like 25 of the rebounds every night. Um, and like Toppin, you know, that's a weird thing with Obi. He's, he's not a particularly powerful rebounder. But you've got to believe that if he's playing starters minutes, he's going to be getting more than three per game, which is basically what he was getting in those last few. But some of that's because he played a 33-minute game against Washington where he got one rebound. Those last four games of the year, the ones where he was starting, he went one, three, four, seven. I think most of the time you're going to see him more in the five to seven range, and that's probably where he ends up if he's playing starters minutes in Indiana. And right now, he really could... The issue, of course, is does this team pivot into Walker as the season goes along, or is that something that takes more than one full year? Do they continue to give Neesmith a ton of power forward minutes? Do they continue to even try Jalen Smith there? These things are all bouncing around. So for me, I think it comes down to who gets the starter's job. If Toppin gets the starter's job... You take a flyer on him towards the end of your draft, unquestionably. Because if he if he wins it, if he has the starter's job and he locks it down, 26, 27 minutes, that's probably enough. Until then, I don't think we can say safely what to do. And it's probably a little irresponsible for me to even suggest, oh, you have to do this or you have to do that. Because trying to figure out who actually is going to get the starter's job for that Pacers team, well, we tried that game last year, and that didn't work out so great for any of us. So, a little bit of a wait-and-see thing. But if he's going 100 or deeper and wins the starting job, that to me feels like a no-brainer. Let's talk about one more player. Patrick Beverly signed with the Philadelphia 76ers, and we still don't know exactly how that team is going to look on opening day uh but he's gonna you know angry angry player his way into his like mid-20s and minutes and the only thing he does is kind of ruin DeAnthony Melton a little bit because they'll serve similar purposes Melton's the younger iteration but both guys more defensive focused Melton a little bit better at finishing than Beverly but neither one of them all that great at taking it to the rack. Both of them, more defense. Beverly a little bit older, so not quite as quick anymore, but has a little bit more of those, the veteran savvy stuff. He'll play, but more than anything, I think he makes uh, squatting on Melton a little bit tougher. Now, that changes, of course, if Harden is not uh, locked in to come back because they're now maybe trading him, and now they're saying they may not trade him. That's all kind of hanging in the balance. If Harden's gone... Hopefully, that would mean that, well, maybe then you start Beverly and you bring Melton off the bench for a little bit of scoring sock. We'll kind of have, oh, it also depend on who comes back in any trade as well. 
I just don't like it. I don't like anything that crowds a pathway for Melton, and this does that. And if Harden leaves, that's obviously a good thing for Melton, but somebody coming back would be sort of tamp that down a little bit. So apologies that I can't, you know, plant my flag in this thing. You're not drafting Patrick Beverly. That's the real key here. If we're talking about Beverly, we're talking about Beverly. But really, the Beverly news is more Melton news than it is Beverly news, if that makes any sense. I still would probably take a look at I'm mean, like, if Harden's gone, I almost don't care who comes back if they're not a high-usage player. That's great for Melton. He did his damage when Harden was out or Maxi was out or both of them. Replace Harden with, I don't know, Terrence Mann, and you've got to figure that Melton wins a little bit. Maybe not a lot. Maybe not all the way win, but part of a way win. We'll talk Brooke Lopez to start tomorrow's show. Put a pin in this one right now. Brolo, two-year, 48 mil. Can't wait to talk about Brooke Lopez and where he gets drafted next year after a whopper of a contract season. Back in Milwaukee again, so we know his role already. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Happy Monday, everybody. Enjoy it. I will be back tomorrow, probably. Wish this, wish the family well over here. See you guys on Twitter or Threads. Make sure to check out Caldera Lab and the NFL Draft Guide, available now at sportsethos.com. I am Dan Vespers. That's my name at all of those social accounts. Until tomorrow, everybody. So long. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.